I actually feel like I've been like the Jane Goodall of marriages. <laughs> the way that she studied apes, I've studied not just like a couple of families, hundreds, hundreds of families where I was intimately in their home watching them fight, watching them cry, watching them divvy up the parenting roles. This is why I have so many opinions. Welcome back. We're not for everyone. We're an existential commentary podcast hosted by one hater and one lover. I'm the lover. I'm the hater. How's it going? Oh, you, you made your voice deeper for that. I freaking <laughs> loved it. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I'm really liking what you're doing with your hair lately. I feel like we often have hair compliments and they're usually towards me, but I'm a mess from the gym and your hair is looking fantastic. I just want you to know. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, this, there's something really special about giving hair compliments on a completely non-visual medium. That's, I, I live for that. Thank you. I feel good the about it. The thing is the people, the people that really care are going to see the promo clip that we use on Instagram and remember that in the episode we talked about hair and connect the dots. And those are our real friends. That's true. You know? Those are the besties. Yeah. I was just talking to a friend last night, I think, about how my relationship to figuring out my hair is like once every three months, I feel like I remember how I like my hair to be. And that goes on for like maybe seven to to 12 days and then I completely forget how to do my hair for the next (laughs) three months. Do you relate to that? I have a different thing where when I figure out how I like my hair, I wear it that way forever. And my issue is that I get bored and I don't know what else to do with it. And like I I have one go-to and it looks good and it's consistent and reliable, but people who do hairstyles and like use barrettes and head you're a headband girl like I don't understand I just wave my hair and put it down or it's in a ponytail and those are the two options well you figured out what works I guess but sometimes I get bored like I've been considering chopping off my hair recently um I used to like in high school I always had really short hair and I just looked like my mom's clone and then I went into college with the same thing I've I've been a bob girl for the majority of my life and the long hair is new And it took me so long to get it here and I like love it. But then sometimes I get bored and I want to chop it. And you know that feeling like with your bangs. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I really do like your hair at this length now. But of course, now that it's long, you want to chop it. That's how it goes. I've had every. But it's a big commitment. It is. Oh, oh, having long hair. No, it's a big commitment. Chopping. To chop because it's like it took me a year plus to get it to this length. So then to just go and chop it is like. All that time wasted, you know? I know. Commitment wasted. It gets very existential. Very existential. I've had every hair length. I've had a bob. I've had pixie cut. I've had- <gasps> I remember that. It looked uh, so good. It looked good, but it's the growing out process that is torture. Yeah. My, enti- my entire sexual orientation like changed without my permission <laughs> from that haircut. I didn't know this would happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was into it and so were a lot of other women, but- <laughs> <laughs> It was, I found it very painful growing it out and that took forever. And you can't change it. You can't, you can't do the braids. You can't do the, like it, I actually felt like having short hair took more work because you have to style it. You like have to get it looking. Whereas if it's long, like I sleep on my hair all the time and it's whatever. Yeah. And you can put it up. And that's another thing that's kind of key. Like I just came back from the gym. I'm going to flex right now that I work out regularly. And mm. uh, <laughs> she's and being able to put my hair up and like have it look pretty good because it, there's a long ponytail as opposed to like a little nubbin, which is what I was able to do <laughs> when I had oh, a little no. nubbin. I yeah. look like Johnny Depp or something when I put my hair in a little, like we don't want, we don't know Nubbin depths. Nubbin, nubbin depths. Yeah. <laughs> nubbin so yeah, I do agree. Like you actually have to put more work into short hair to make it so that you still look cute. Like a person. Like a human. Yeah. yeah instead yeah. of like a nubbin. Yeah. All right. We solved hair. I just want to say this before we get into today's episode, which is going to be such a fun episode. Yeah. But I need to reiterate. I need to reiterate. Put this in writing. Someone. Someone write this down. This is not advice. (laughs) 
This is not advice. I am not a therapist. We are not professionals. In fact, Mm -hmm. no one should choose to live their life the way I do. The number of people who are approaching me and telling me like what a liability it is, the things that I say, the things that I do, the way that I live my life and produce content. So many people are giving me legal advice and they're like, you need to watch out. Um, oh. My accountant, my accountant this week was like, <laughs> you need to put something in writing on your podcast, on your videos that says you are not a professional. I was like, I feel like that's the only thing I say. The only thing I say is that I'm swine. I've said I'm swine. Is that not legal jargon <laughs> for uh, please do not. Please do not. I'm going to update the podcast description to be two swine. Like right now it says like two hoes or something. I'm going to say two swine. Two swine. Very clear. We're swine. Listen, see your... <laughs> See your medical professionals, see your physical therapy professionals, see your nutritionist professionals, see your therapy professional. Please, this is not advice. This is just a swine running her mouth. And I need that to be so clear. <laughs> Literally, my entire life is a liability. I don't even like I actually feel like I would feel sh- I would feel afraid to share the way that I live right. <laughs> with, with a legal person. I appreciate the disclaimer. I think the disclaimer is important. I'm surprised that people don't realize that off the bat like no one said we've talked about what our jobs are your job is producing content and youtube and barely my job a job is marketing barely like, a job at all my, yeah. mine is barely a job i make slides for a living like what are you saying people i i can't I, I will give advice as though i am your friend and i'll do my best to give advice that i would give to a friend but does that mean it's the right advice no i don't i don't know i'm just living my life i'm trying my best I'm trying my best to be a good friend. That's all that this ever is. But that's why it's called what a do instead of what to do. That is why it's called what a do. What one might do, a do. Not what to do. Never what to do. As long as we're clear about that, never what to do. It's amazing that that was a, I like tripped up my words and landed on that. And now we're like, it's called what a do. Like, don't you get it? It's called something we never meant to call it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's real. Exactly. Even that. Even, I was going to say, even the title <laughs> of this isn't real. Please. Yeah. Please. Please. None of it's real. Yeah. I, I appreciate this disclaimer, although I hate disclaimers and you know that, but I do think it's good to remind people. Um, did you have anything you wanted to talk about before we get into it? Because we're doing a full what to do episode other than our little rambles up top. And I'm really excited. And thanks to everyone who submitted stuff you need advice on, although some of you do need professional help and we will not be giving that. But um, (laughs) no, there were some that I was like, this is a really heartbreaking situation. We will not be touching it, you know, like for sure, for sure. I can't. I can't. And I think you probably know who you are. And I my heart goes out to you. But please find someone who can be more helpful than just the two of us. Well, let's just jump right in then, shall we? We what to do have a what to do episode. So we asked our followers on Instagram at not for everyone pod, the number four is in there, um, to send us their what to do's. And we got a variety of things. It was actually super interesting to me that thematically they were in very similar categories. And even within those categories, there were very similar themes coming up. Um, So went through and picked out our favorites. We're going to do a bunch of what to do deep dive episodes. So feel free to send them to us as they come to you. It helps us though, if you put what to do at the front of your message so that we know that that's like what the content is. Let me just break it down for people. You know, when you look at your DMs on Instagram and you see a preview of the first like six words, that's what we're talking about. Give us what to do up top. It helps. You will get mentioned. You're more likely to get mentioned and get your question answered if you do it that way. Plus I like how the sentences start they're like what to do if what to do when (laughs) and and people (laughs) it's so cute and people put it in all caps which I love I love I love to start a conversation screaming I really do love that and I like to be able to read the message where they're like what to do (laughs) when when I'm in a fight with my friend (laughs) totally it's the best a lot of you did it right and we appreciate keep sending them to us and we'll occasionally put a poll up on our story where you can respond but um anyway here they are so we we chose a few for today the first one A couple people wrote in about this, and it is near and dear to me. It is what to do if you have a close friend that also treats you like their therapist. So this was like a resounding theme. Um, I think we've all, maybe we haven't all been through it. I've definitely been through it. And maybe you're doing it to one of your friends. So maybe if you, (laughs) 
<laughs> if you can think about this from the opposite angle, um, that'll help you too. I don't know. There's like detail that these people went into, but that's the crux of the question. It's like when people are using you and putting all your emotional baggage, all their emotional baggage on you can be very draining. Feels like they don't have anywhere else to go. So you want to be there for them. But at the same time, it's like you don't have the capacity to be that friend. So Caroline, I'll pass it to you. What are your initial thoughts? What a do. What a freaking do is right. I will say, yeah, like, start this off with a little bit of empathy. I bet we've all actually been that person who is going through a time and needs extra support from a friend. Like that's going to happen to everybody. Some of the people who submitted what a do's on this theme specified that some of the situations were like chronic. Like it's always been this way with them. It's not an isolated situation. It's like they're always, and there was also an emphasis on like just kind of taking, 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 demanding, and not giving back. So I think those were some of the parameters I wanted to specify. Mm -hmm. But whether it's someone who's always like this, always negative, always leaning on you and taking energy from you as a therapist, which you are not, or whether it is a specific situation where they genuinely need and deserve help, um, there's plenty of valid reasons why you maybe cannot deliver on those especially when it's the chronic thing but um we can still like approach that with empathy that's what boundaries are it's like it doesn't mean that what the other person needs is invalid it just means that it doesn't it just doesn't mean that you suddenly have extra energy extra hours necessarily to give forever and ever without receiving something back i do think when it's something like out of out of balance like that and they're just like constantly dumping on you, constantly taking. And it's the thing where it's like no matter how much you give and show up and pick up the phone and listen and give back, it doesn't seem to make anything better. That's – I think that's what gets really draining. When you realize – but it's also a freeing thing. When you realize that actually like no matter how much space I make for this, it doesn't help. Mm -hmm. It doesn't change it. They're, it's almost like they're just dumping here. They're just dumping on me and they're not actually looking to make something better. Let that set you free. That you giving infinitely isn't actually even helping at this point. Um, and I think it sometimes can be a thing where you might actually be enabling them without even realizing it. But there can be some benefit for both of you to setting that boundary like not picking up the phone all the time or setting a very strict time limit on how long that phone call goes. Or even if you're hanging out and being in the relationship, like in a live conversation and um, kind of like putting a stop to some conversations or not egging them on, it's going to be uncomfortable and it does force that friend to search for other ways to deal, search for other ways to have a friendship with you or not. It definitely is a boundary setting thing. And so I think the hardest part is like deciding, am I going to just start behaving in a different way and see if they pick up on it? Or am I going to actually talk to them about this and say clearly, like, I need to set a boundary. It can be really hard to have that direct conversation as opposed to doing a thing where like you kind of fade out a little or you don't respond as much or you respond differently, which is can be effective. You do that and you see if the person picks up on it because it's easier to do than the direct conversation. But it also can feel icky because you feel like I'm not being a good friend by just like dodging a little bit. And so if you're feeling that way, I do think there are ways to have this conversation directly and just let the person know like I really feel for you in this situation. I know you're going through a tough time or you've been struggling with this thing for a while, like whatever is relevant and then letting them know like, I want to be there for you, but I'm not sure how, and I'm not sure how to do it in a way that doesn't drain me either. And that preserves our friendship. Like ultimately I want to preserve our friendship, which is about being there for each other, but it's also about having fun together and like having light moments and giving each other space to do our own thing too. So like in order to preserve our friendship, I don't know that I can be like the only person you go to on this. If they have a therapist, you might ask sometimes interspersed in the conversation, like, have you talked to your therapist about this? And it's just a really like subtle nudge of like, first of all, that's a caring thing to say because you're trying to prompt them and encourage them. You're agreeing that it matters. You're agreeing that the thing matters. 
So if it re- if it really matters to you, that is the thing. I feel like that comes up a lot. It's like, if this really mattered to you, show me that you're taking it seriously. It's kind of how I feel with a lot of people. They're yeah. like, this is so important and it's ruining my life. Prove it to me. Prove it to me by taking it seriously. What are and you like doing? Seeking mm-hmm. professional help, not just laying it on me. So now it's my burden. Yep. Yeah, it, that's such – exactly. That's what you do when you ask that question. And it's not in a mean way. It is It is in a caring way and in a way that shows, like, if this matters as much as you're making it seem because you're telling me about it every single time we talk, it's the only thing we talk about now, then let's, let's get you actual support um, outside of just this friendship. So there are little, like, nudges you can do, and there are also direct ways that you can – lay out that boundary and then see what they do. I was going to say like in my experience, unfortunately, I I think, yeah, there's always value in just saying the honest direct thing. Also in my experience, I don't think it's usually responded to well because if someone's already doing this, they're lacking self-awareness and they're in a vulnerable place. So like it's hard, but I do think it's still worth trying. Like there's nothing wrong with the truth and you're saying it with empathy with respect and not attacking them like when you really demonstrate empathy for what they're going through you respect them while respecting yourself very hard to do do I do it ever no pretty much no but like that's the idea I also think that if you do say something directly yeah it may not work but it can kind of make you feel better about then taking a step back it's like for yourself like not everything in these situations actually very little in these situations should be for the other person like you need to set a boundary for yourself. You've already done a lot for this person and they're taking more and more. So as much as you can have empathy for that and you've probably done it too, we've all done it. Like it's not a mean, cruel, malicious thing that they're doing, but at the same time, they're taking a lot from you. So what what my perspective is on on this, what to do is like, you have to, you have to do things for yourself now. I will say this, like, you do not need to pick up the phone all the time. And and when I say these things, I'm talking to myself. I struggle with this so hard. You do not need to pick up the phone all the time. You are not required to be on call for anyone at any point in your life, <laughs> except like maybe your child. Um, you are not on call. You are not a slave to your phone. If you do want to pick up the phone, like you can set really clear boundaries on like, I have 30 minutes here. Or in person, in pers- the in-person conversation, Silence is very effective, especially when it's the person who is like, everything is negative. It's the negative chronic dumping. I will say this. Sometimes people are going through a really hard time. For me, I've also encountered the situation where every day is the worst day of their life. If every day for a year, for two years is the worst day of your life, I no longer, I'm no longer involved. I no longer wish to be involved. This is obviously your problem. I will not carry the burden. I will not be a part of carrying the burden of every single day on earth is the worst day of your life. And I actually talked to a friend, a therapist friend about this, how to deal with this. And she gave me what I thought was really great advice of kind of sitting there and just being like, you know, they're doing the dumping, the same dumping. You hear it every time you see them. And then just, you can respond with silence, let their words hang in the air. Or like, don't, don't try and convert it into a normal conversation. I think that's my compulsion is to be like, yeah, and this is how we can make this problem relatable. And we're talking about it and it's conversation. No, they're not having a conversation. Don't help them make it into a conversation when it's not. It's them dumping. It's them taking. And if you want to say something, you can say like, yeah, man, everything sucks. I get you. Everything sucks. It sounds like everything sucks. Everything really sucks. Like just repeat, just repeat, hold a mirror up, hold a mirror up. This is all that you are giving me. Everything sucks all the time. Everything is terrible. Let them like, let their own words hang in the air. Don't try to make them make more sense. And the other thing I want to say is like, when you start setting boundaries, first of all, every single person in your life, every single person on earth, will benefit from you not enforcing your boundaries. Everybody benefits from you having no boundaries, even if they're people who love you. They would benefit from getting infinite time from you, infinite energy from you. Everybody benefits from you not enforcing a boundary. You are the only person who is motivated to to set boundaries and enforce them. And it's very uncomfortable. And when you do, if you do pick up the phone less, if you do engage in the conversation less, if you are less available, if you say no to a phone call, there will be friction. It is going to be uncomfortable. That's the whole reason that you avoid doing it. That's the reason we avoid doing it because it's going to feel uncomfortable. So just if you do that, like don't freak out 
when you feel a little guilty. Don't freak out when you say, oh my God, was that rude? It's going to feel uncomfortable. That's the very reason you've avoided it, but it's in that discomfort that something can start to shift, that they can start to maybe have the chance to consider a different dynamic or a different way of treating you or think differently about why this isn't sustainable. And the other thing, and we've talked about this a little bit in the, in the first what to do when we approach the question of like what to do when you don't like your friend's partner, all of these situations with friends or with just any relationship, like it could very well result in that friendship fading, like no longer being friends anymore um, or taking a time when you aren't. Like unfortunately, relationships do ebb ebb and flow. They can come back later. Exactly. So many people are uncomfortable with those ebbs and flows. Like I've had best friends who are in my life for over 10 years. Were we exactly the same level of close over those 10 years for every single day, month, year? No, we weren't. But we are still friends today because we allowed those ebbs and flows to happen as opposed to the friendships that have disintegrated because it was like too full on, too much like what we're talking about right now. Then there's a shift. Somebody's like not available for that anymore. And then the other person doesn't know how to handle it and it causes the friendship to crumble. Unfortunately, it happens sometimes. I I will say that I had a friendship a lot like this one um, that we're talking about and it did quiet for a couple years and we weren't friends and we didn't really talk at all and then there was a moment where we decided to reconnect and were able to actually have a conversation about what had been happening and the person took ownership for their side of it and said I know that I was dumping all my negative shit on you at the time that we were friends and I'm really sorry about that like I I recognize now in retrospect that that happened and now she's not my best friend but we are good. We are friends. I care about her. I always cared about her, even when we weren't talking. And that's just part of the ebbs and flows. Um, You can come back from it, but you have to kind of let it, let them react in whatever way they're going to react. And even if that means there's nothing for a while. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to say, like take note of how people are investing in you and match their investment. Don't overdo that investment. So I also had a friend. This is like one of my best friends. I would say our, I actually think like the crux of the, of our friendship was deepened when she and I were oscillating going through times of need. There was a few years where she and I were back to back in breakups. Like she'd go through a breakup. I'd go through a breakup. She'd go through a breakup. I'd go through a breakup. And Like your friends will go through breakups. Your friends will go through and you will go through times where you really need support more than ever. That is not a bad thing. That's why we have friends. And things won't be 50-50 all the time. Sometimes you will have to give more. But what was so special about this time with her, like I would need her so intensely and hopefully had some sense of awareness about like how much I was asking of her. And then like a month or two later, she would need a friend so intensely. And I was like able, I think, able and ready to give it back. And I think we both felt that. And it took what was already a very good friendship. And I actually feel like that's where it like took our friendship to the like nth degree and just heightened it and deepened it so much. And like going through a time of need doesn't doesn't mean you have to push people away. It can actually be a great opportunity to um, connect and deepen and also want to reinvest in someone. But if they're never like investing back in you, I think that's the difference. Right. And how strong it can make your friendship because I've had the exact same thing with my best friend of over 10 years. It has deepened our friendship and the way that we are there for each other, the way we understand each other, like trading off that role is so core to our friendship and it's a really special thing that developed from the exact like pattern that you just described and then the other thing I wanted to share from that friendship in particular is like we've gotten to a point now where we know what's going on in each other's lives most of the time it's it's like my friend that I'm constantly talking to and is very actively a part of my life and we'll if we need each other like we'll say in the text let's say like hey something weird happened at work or something weird happened with this date or this person broke up with me or whatever. Um, Are you available to talk? If not, it's okay. We can talk about it later. I'll, I'll go to someone else. Or I know you're dealing with X, Y, Z. And so if it's not a good time, no problem. Like we will, 
we will ask each other, do you have the capacity for this right now? And 9.9 times out of 10, we have the capacity for it because that's my girl. Like I will create the capacity for her if I don't have it because it is a very equal, balanced friendship. But the fact that the question is asked and like I have an out if I need it almost makes me more enthusiastic and like down to be there for her because she recognized that like I'm asking a lot of you, but I wouldn't do it if I didn't need you type of thing. And then I'm there. So that's something you can implement in friendships too. And maybe if you have a friend that's taking too much advantage of your being for them, you can start implementing that on your side, you know, asking that question of them when you need something from them. And then maybe they'll notice like, oh, huh, okay, I'll start doing that with with you. I mean, I don't know. It takes a self-aware person. And probably in this situation, we're talking about less self-aware people, but I want to give them the benefit of the doubt as well, that they want to be good friends in the same way that you do. We nailed it. Boom. We're not therapists. Reminder. <laughs> Reminder. Reminder. We're not jack shit. You want to do, you want to move on to the next one? Let's do it. So this one, we had two questions on. It's in the dating realm, which is always fun. And it was a little bit different. Yeah. So this one is all about what, what to do when you're, you've met someone, you've been on a few dates with them, whatever, who you really like, you connect with, they check your boxes, quote unquote, which that's a whole separate conversation. Um, but somebody who you're really connecting with and vibing with, but like on a physical level, it's not there. It doesn't mean you think they're gross. I don't think you'd be on the date if you like were completely unattracted to them, but kind of like you're not feeling that potential sexual chemistry or like you're, they're not typically what you you find physically attractive. Like it's just lacking that type of physical spark. What to do? I have I have my take on it. I feel like our takes may be a little bit different, but I also think this is very personal. So anyway, you start. Oh, I'm ready to scream. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say this. I have so many thoughts. First of all, I think the main person who wrote in about this included some sentence where they were like, sadly, my partner being hot is important to me. <laughs> Not sad. Let me, let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there. Maybe the word hot is throwing people off, but like, Wanting to be sexually attracted to the person who theoretically you are going to exclusively sex for the rest of your life, the person you are exclusively, you know, assuming it's this monogamous thing until we die for the rest of your life until you're fucking dead, wanting to be into having sex with only that person that you're pledging your exclusive sex to, that is that is not sad. I would say that is a requirement. I don't it's think it's not I, a want, it's a need. It is not. It is a requirement. Otherwise, it's a friendship. This is not sad. It is not superficial. Now, we all equate different things as hot. Like, there are plenty of model-looking people that I would not... There, I mean, I could never. I could never kiss because the personality is such a butthole or whatever. It's not about, like, do we decide we agree they're hot. It's are you sexually attracted to them? That is not a small thing. I am so, so offended by this idea and I think I I do as a generalization see a lot of women be like oh because I did this be like oh is it superficial of me to want to have sex with the person I'm having sex with bitch I'm I'm screaming because I want to slap myself right now in high (laughs) school in high school there was a guy who I did date and he was funny and we got along and he was really into me and I was not like attracted to him but I thought I must be such a bad person if I refuse to date him only because I'm not attracted to him. Only, as if it's a small fucking thing. And we did date, and guess what? That's actually a really unfair thing to do to somebody because if you are going to end up pledging, whether it's monogamous, committed, sexual relationship, or open or whatever, like, if you're saying that, like, sex with you, a sexual relationship with you is going to be a majority of their life and it's one that you're not into, that's actually, you're really robbing them of something. They could find somebody who wants to, who's excited to be with them romantically, sexually, whatever. Like you're, that is not like a, a charity you're running. That's pretty, don't do that to someone. You, no one should do that to you. So this is not, I'm sorry that I'm screaming. I'm saying like, this is not a bad thing. This is an important thing. One of many things in like finding a romantic partner, blah, blah, blah. So I just want to say that. It is a major part of a romantic relationship that there is sex happening, that there is sexual connection there. So 
I totally agree. If that's missing, it's missing. However, I think what these people are getting at is like, maybe it could be there. It's not there on our second date. Can it develop? I think that is the the real question that people wonder a lot. And to that, I think it's very individual. But for me, yes. And in my experience, yes. And in my experience observing friends, sometimes yes and sometimes no. So like, I think that depends on the person, but I do think it's very possible for it to develop over time because commonly in women, although I'm sure that men can experience this as well, having a intimate connection and a like understanding and vibe with someone and really having like interesting conversation and whatever, having all of those aspects in a relationship with someone can contribute to like wanting to have sex with them. Like that happens to me. Definitely happens to me. Can be the majority of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like getting to know you is making me more and more sexually attracted to you. Now, I don't think that that can happen with someone that you look at them and you're like, ugh, no. If if that's your reaction to how they look from the get-go, I don't think that's going to change. But I have a feeling that if you've been on multiple dates, like that's not really what's happening. And it's more like, okay, sure, you know, fine looking person, but do I want to have sex with them? And that's something that can develop over time in my experience. I was trying to think like, is there a point when you call it, you know, like is it date three, is it date four, whatever. I don't know that there is. I think you will know. And I think it's fair and right to like tell the person when you are clear on the fact that that's not a sexual connection that you don't want to continue. Like Caroline said, like that's a friendship if you if you never see that happening. But if you're still feeling that out and you're open to like maybe getting to know them will make me tingle a little. Like I watch Love Island and there's a phrase that they use. Love Island UK specifically is the best one, although I've watched them all. Um, There's a phrase that they use, the fanny flutters. It's like if they're not giving you the fanny flutters when you're having conversation with them on like date one, two, three-ish, like, okay, maybe you're never going to get the fanny flutters, but you can get them from a deep, meaningful chat the same way you can get them from just like looking at a picture of someone. And I actually think like that's kind of more valuable. Maybe ideally you have both, but I, my point is that I can, I, I believe it can develop. What do you think? Like, first of all, remember, like, that's what dating is. Dating is being like, huh, is there something here? Let's see. Like, you are not required to. Sometimes I feel this way. I'm like, oh, but like, is it rude if I'm figuring it out along the way? No, that's what fucking dating is. That's what dating is. You're not marrying them. You're dating them. You're figuring it out. You're seeing what it's like. And when you talk about fanny flutters or I think what this uh, listener is actually talking about, what they're describing that is missing is like the spark, right? The butterflies, which is, I'll tell you what, it's always there in a talk relationship so spark the spark isn't everything you can also have spark and have a like true loving relationship but regardless the spark dies regardless the spark always dies it does not last a lifetime that's the honeymoon phase whatever even if you find it even in a good relationship it does die and it turns into something else long term so the question is not like who can I have the longest lasting spark with? Because it's going to die regardless. And I do think that there are a lot of like healthy, amazing romantic relationships that exist without the spark. It's more about, I heard, again, Matthew Hussey. I love his, he's got a podcast. He's got whatever, Instagram. He speaks and everything. He was talking about this recently about like, it's more, it's, it's not so much about like, who am I going to have the longest spark with? It's more about like, who are you enthusiastic to build with? Who are you enthusiastic to build a life with? I found that really helpful because I think that's a big distinction between like people I'm just carnally attracted to and people who I have a deep connection with. Sometimes the things overlap, sometimes they don't. Ultimately, I think it's worth giving it a try if for nothing else, I think they also mentioned that it was new for them to be dating someone that they didn't have that spark with. So even for that reason alone, I think it's really worth like trying something new and worth trying it out if if only so that when you end up saying no, you can feel really confident in that decision. Whatever decision you end up making, you're making it with a little more confidence and a little more research behind it because you test it out. So you can still, even if it's still a no, you can make that decision confidently. Um, but ultimately, I think the biggest thing for me recently is is realizing how correct my intuition is. My intuition, I I do feel like I know pretty early, whatever I feel early on 
continues and continues to be true. And I've just been like overriding it and talking myself out of it until it becomes apparent later on. And I'm like, wait, I knew that in the beginning. So a part of me wants to say, I feel like your intuition could be right here. You can note your intuitive feeling. Note that like this might just be sort of platonic. This might not be quite romantic enough and still intentionally move forward and like give it a chance. I think the difference is to not just like completely talk yourself out of your intuitive feeling. Don't completely say I never felt that or I'm wrong or I'm misinterpreting. Like you can note it and also give them a chance and just like do it very mindfully. I'm gonna say if this was me, I feel like I would end up finding that I'm not quite attractive enough to them, but I would still give them the chance and be willing to be surprised. Be willing to be proven wrong, but don't completely like gaslight yourself out of what you've noted so far. It's all about just like noting. I don't feel sexually attracted to this person now. How about at week one? How about at week two? How about at week three? Is it not changing? Okay, then maybe it's it's not just a feeling. Maybe this is a fact of this dynamic. Yeah. Trusting yourself and your intuition is ultimately like what I think dating is all about. It is about building that awareness of what's going on in in your gut and like trusting it. Because I agree, if this is a gut feeling you're having, it's probably right. I also think you don't owe anyone anything. Like you really don't. I mean, if you're in a committed relationship and you had those conversations that, but that's not what we're talking about here. I don't think at these early stages in dating, you really owe anyone anything. I actually don't ever think you owe anyone anything. I think that language um, is specific for a reason. So you're allowed to be noting things and continue. You're allowed to, there's a John Mayer lyric that's like, give your heart and change your mind. You're allowed to do it. The other thing is like, test it out. If you want to test it out, test it out. I think making out can say a lot about a person. You don't have to have sex to know what the sex might feel like. You can make out. Um, Don't do it if you don't want to do it. But if you're like in it and you're curious, like do that and then see how that feels. I don't know. Like you can test. You can dip your toe in and then back out if it wasn't a vibe. Like toes are in, toes are in. Sometimes you kiss someone and it feels like kissing your uncle and then you're like, okay, I I get it. This isn't happening. Like sometimes you have to test the waters with the physical stuff a little bit to know for sure. So I think, I don't know, I think it's very different per person. I really do. But the takeaways are like, trust yourself. If you, yeah, if you're not into them, you're not into them and you don't have to force it. But also- And you don't have to feel guilty. Oh my God, don't no, feel guilty. not at all. That's what dating is. Yeah, don't over intellectualize it. Like, But it's kind of like, if you're not sure, there's, there's knowing you're not into them, knowing you are into them, and then being in a gray area where you're like, maybe, and that's where just- Go on the other, the next date and see if something changes. Go on, you know, have more yes. conversation and see if that makes you more into them. Like kiss them and see if it feels like your uncle. Like those are the, those are the three <laughs> steps. <laughs> I was going to say, I think the most important, one of the, some of the best advice I've received about dating when you're kind of hung up and you're like, do I like that? Do I know? It's like, you actually don't have to know if I want to make this my boyfriend, if I want to make them my girlfriend, if I want to marry them. All you have to figure out, all you have to answer is, do I want to see them one more time? Do I want to see them one more time? That is all you have to know. You do not have to know if you're going to see them for a month. Do you feel like seeing them one more time? If the answer is no, it's a no. Mm -hmm. If the answer is yes, that's it. That's all you have to know right now. So in the last few minutes, I wanted to take some of the what-to-dos that we got that felt like fun or interesting or unique and things that we could answer kind of quickly, like didn't necessarily need a whole deep dive to us anyway. Hot takes, hot takes. Hot takes, a little bit of hot takes. Don't be offended if yours made this list. It doesn't mean anything other than we wanted to answer you, but we didn't necessarily want to do a whole deep dive. And I've read them. Caroline has not. So I'm going to read a few to her and rapid fire, rapid fire round. Rapid fire. I'm stoked. She's just going to give a hot take. Okay. I think they're all dating related. Yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. Because that's where the fire is. What to do. My ex, still good friends, has basically invited himself to stay with me for two weeks. I'm in med school and don't have time or energy to handle my own self. No, the answer is no. The answer is no. The answer is no. You just said I don't have time. The answer is no. The answer is no. I mean, it gets worse. It gets worse. 
Give me it. The answer is no, but go on. Despite expressing my many concerns, she's expressed this. Oh, disrespecting your boundaries. The answer is no. Can I say it again? Yeah. He's still hell-bent on coming. Doesn't sound like a good friend to me. But listen to this. Okay, that's what we need to get to. I won't. Because... Doesn't sound like a good friend. She ends with, how do I preserve our friendship while communicating that I need to be left the fuck alone? Hey, if you need to be left the fuck alone, then that's not your friend. That's not your friend. That is not your, this person's not your friend. You're, you're deluding yourself that this is your friend. You're holding on to it for some reason. Listen, it is very, it, it does happen sometimes that we can stay friends with our exes. Mostly it does not. Mostly it does not. Especially for heterosexual relationships. Sorry to break it to you. I know some exceptions, but mostly it does not. Especially, I don't care if it's your ex or a, or a girlfriend or who, if they're not respecting your boundaries, you got to be even firmer about your boundaries. They're being a bad friend. Nah, nah, nah. Correct. Nah. Thank you. I would keep it very simple. I would get, I would go into as little explanation as possible because you already tried to give them a good explanation, which you owe no explanation for why you don't have time for this right now. You say, keep it as simple as possible. I cannot. I did communicate that to you. Like, don't throw a sorry in there. Uh, Yeah, you're not sorry. Why do they think that they have the rights to like enter your home and just do whatever the fuck? What? Think about a good girlfriend, like a good girlfriend, a platonic friend doing this to you. You'd be like, what the fuck is Jess? Jess is in demanding to come stay at my home for two weeks after she asked and I said no repeatedly because of very legitimate reasons in my life and she's pushing me on it. Fuck her. Yeah. What a shitty friend. She would never. I would never. I would never. And especially to an ex. I don't Immediately talk to no. any of them. Okay, next question. My husband is a little messy in the house. I asked him multiple times to keep the living room with minimum order. He puts books and clothes on the floor. What to do when the rage comes out of me like a deathly fire? Thanks. I just liked how they phrased it. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Deathly fire. Thanks. I, I immediately know I don't have a good answer for this. This is something I really struggled with with one of my exes when we were living together and we just had very different I actually think this is like a big problem when you have very different standards for what you think cleanliness is or like what you tolerate living in or what orderliness is I find it extremely stressful and I think I probably am not the best person to answer this I think other people have maybe figured out more but it it kind of sucks because you feel put in a like between a rock and a hard place where you don't want to ask all the time because can, it can end up feeling like you're nagging. But you also don't want to just do it all the time in, in silence because resentment is the fastest way to get a divorce. I think the advice I'd heard from people that I hadn't been able to put this in practice, this was like after that relationship, but I think advice that sounded helpful was like having really specific, I guess sorting out specific like delegations for each. Like maybe he's not great at tidying up and it's just not going to be part of his routine, but like he is doing trash, he is doing dishes, he is doing, I don't know, sometimes people are more inclined to certain chores and maybe like he 100% or she, I don't know who, 100% owns those and maybe you're all the tidiness or I don't know if there's a different way, maybe you don't have to own all of the chores 50-50. Maybe there's some that just he does and just he is happy to do. Um, I like that. But I do want to say I really, I think this is, It sounds petty, but it's like, it's your life. It's your home. It's something that you're like looking at the stuff on the floor every day. And the last thing you want to feel is resentment. It's the, it's a death sentence. So I think this is a really tough question. I would just add, like, if there's a way to make cleaning up fun, like I'm a generally clean and tidy person. So this isn't a big issue for me living alone right now. But even on days when I'm like lazy and don't want to do it, put on one song and say, during the duration of this song, I'm picking the clothes up off the floor. Like that really motivates me. So I don't know if there's a way you could talk about those types of ideas or like setting a day each week that's like tidying day. I liked your idea too, though. Like maybe that's just something that you're the one that has a preference on that. So you're the one that owns it. And then they own something else more. Yes. That like feels even to you. Mm -hmm. It immediately sucks. I hate that like there's there's still sorry there's still so many gender cultural norms around who the default maid in the house is it's very upsetting to me we've like i think a lot of people have caught up with the idea of sharing it but the reality the reality of our culture has not cut up in most homes sorry and i've been in a lot of homes i haven't been in a lot of marriages but i've actually borne witness to a lot of marriages i was a live-in nanny and a professional nanny babysitter for 10 years I have I actually feel like 
I've been like the Jane Goodall of marriages. <laughs> the way that she studied apes, I've studied not just like a couple of families, hundreds, hundreds of families where I was intimately in their home watching them fight, watching them cry, watching them divvy up the parenting roles. This is why I have so many opinions on parenting and these this like the domestic life not because I have any like I've limited experience in domestic life sharing that with someone and zero experience in parenting but I truly feel like I've like done a decade's worth of research and interviews specifically with mothers but also with parents and like found what the common gripes are watch them struggle with it watch how the reality of it plays out in their homes and most of this was actually in debatably the most progressive culturally progressive city in the world, New York City, in progressive, like collaborative, the husbands on board homes. And it just still usually isn't equal. There is still a default maid, a default caretaker, most of the time, even with the most well-intentioned couples. And so I think it's easy to say on paper, we have these values, but there's a big lag in like what we were all raised on and what we're all used to. Um, so I don't I don't think it's an easy answer. I think it's like a significant difficulty that unfortunately you're encountering like over and over and over every single day in your home. Um, okay. What to do if you're in a long-term committed relationship, but you work in an environment where you're flirted with as a regular part of your job and dot, 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 you kind of like it. Should you feel bad for flirting outside of your relationship? Is it cool to reciprocate to a degree if it's ultimately not going to lead anywhere? Um, I'm in my 30s. This is new territory for me. That's a tough one. I'm so long-winded. I can't have any short. I can't have any rapid-fire answers. I think this one's different for everyone. I agree. It is different for everyone. And I think the boundaries of any individual relationship are different. I guess my opinion is it is human nature. It is like we are animals. Animalistically, it is human nature that you're going to be attracted to people just because you decide to commit to someone long term and have a monogamous relationship. I mean, that's what I want to. And I've I will never cheat on someone. You know, like we're not talking about that, but I'm just saying it's still very normal to be attracted to other people, to connect with other people. You know, like that's going to keep going because life keeps going. And so I think as long as there's like a really good foundation of trust in a relationship, if you have a little flirt, I mean, it, what's the flirt? Is it something really raunchy and sexual? It, there's such a spectrum. That's right. the thing. Or is it like yesterday I went to Nordstrom Rack and the man doing my return complimented my nails and my eyes. And I was like, oh, thanks. Like, love your shirt. Like, and it was clearly flirty. He was a young, attractive dude, but like, it's fine. It's fine. I'm in a relationship. It's fine. Like, I I just think some of that is really normal and not shameful. And I think if you make it shameful, like, you're building up resentment probably. So... And you're killing part of yourself. Yes. You're if you're both doing that, like, part of life is being able to, like, feel desired and, like, flirting. Like, I actually think that's that's almost like a nutrient that people need to some... To a degree, it's it's tricky to say because it can also become like a compulsion, a, a, an addiction that you that's, you know, when people end up cheating or whatever, because they they need a certain kind of feedback to a certain degree. They need a certain kind of attention. But I think there is space for everyone to just like want to feel desired, like want to feel cute, want to look cute, like want to feel that their partner is still desirable. Like it can actually fuel both of you as individuals to feel kind of like alive and uh, like electric in that way. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It, there's such a spectrum. And I think you're right. It all comes down to trust. Totally. And I will say going off of what you just mentioned, I mean, I have a friend who had a live-in partner, long-term five-year relationship during the pandemic. And something that she pinpointed as creating tension during lockdown just with the two of them is that they no longer had the outlet of like going to the office and having the random flirt with the guy in the cubicle down the hall in the kitchen and like going to a coffee shop and noticing that somebody was looking at them. Like they didn't have that anymore, which I do agree is just like part of the human experience and making you feel like a desired part of 
the world and your community and your surroundings. Like you're still alive. Like you're still a fucking blood right. in Right. And it was yeah. it was affecting their sexual chemistry, just the two of them. Because they they're you know, if it's just if all it is is you two, then it can get really redundant. So feeling desired and feeling flirty outside of your relationship within boundaries and within like what has been established as the way that you operate and the way that your trust is built, like I think is totally normal and fair. Yeah. I will say this is one thing like, yeah, I've actually said this before, I think on here, but like one of the hottest things you can do to like rev up your like bedroom energy with somebody that you've been dating for a while is to like go out into public in a like a party or social setting and like watch your partner be flirted with or just enjoyed by other people from across the room. Like it's so fucking hot. Um, and some people take that to the nth degree, you know, where they want to get into a cuck situation. Some people feel way more uncomfortable. But I personally will say I was in a relationship where if I, um, it, it was stressful for me to even have to have a male employee because I would be so persecuted for mm. like being near another male. It was, I, I don't know if I'll ever talk to it, talk about it to the full extent, but it was extreme. It was extreme. I was in trouble for existing while another man existed somewhere on the planet. And it made me, I will never be able to fully relay the paranoia, the like self-policing, the absolute abject fear, the way it made me treat other people because I was so afraid of them coming up to speak to me or like even being like knowing privately. I was afraid of my own dreams. I was, and I would get in trouble for my own dreams. Wow. I would get in trouble I could wake up in the morning and he'd be like, I think you had a sex dream. And I was in trouble for something I didn't remember, couldn't control. I just want to say that I've experienced like the extreme of this and how obviously it ended the relationship, like how toxic it was. And so I feel like I've, I've, that's like the biggest thing I've been unlearning. And this question is the question I've been asking all the time is like, what's a normal amount of flirting like what is honesty and what is deception what is like being human and I do think that's different for everyone and most important it's to it's it matters that you care about your partner's level of comfort but it also matters that they care that you are not killing yourself over I don't know just to like protect them in some weird way so i think you can take it to extremes in all directions is my point yeah that's wild it was wild. it was like it was like the main thing yeah i don't know why i haven't gotten into it more but like uh this kind of jealousy and policing was like the main thing i've experienced in my romantic history Mm. it was an extreme i mean it just gets to a point of like possessiveness and that's never healthy so i i think you also know in yourself when you're crossing a boundary, like if something happened with a coworker and you know that that was too much, I think you've found your line. Like uh, that is if you're in a healthy, like if you're in alignment with your partner, going back to the person's question, if you are in generally a healthy relationship where you're in alignment with your partner and there is trust, then I think you can have a healthy dynamic in the world, accepting a flirt, giving a little flirt back, whatever, and know where the line is. And that's what I hope for people. If you have to ask, then like maybe you've crossed the line and that's okay. Don't be so hard on yourself. Just now you know where the line is. Um, But in a like abusive, toxic and like possessive dynamic, I mean, it's a totally different ballgame. And you lose sense. Then my experience is that you lose sense of like, I, I truly, I've already said the basis of my existence is like guilt based, which is why this was very effective on me. Um, and I lost all sense of what was normal, all sense. It's, it's, I've had to like actively, I ask people all the time, like, is this normal? Is that normal? Cause I feel like I haven't even known. And I think I have a better sense of it now, but, um, I'm trying to think of more examples. Like I, it, it made it, yeah, it made it stressful for me to like take a meeting with my male manager. I was, it was, it made work so hard. It made, um, you know, God forbid I would be out with a girlfriend and her male friend stopped by and I didn't know they were going to be there. Like suddenly I now have to deal with this lie that I was with a man that I didn't know that was going to be there. And how am I going to like tell him that another man showed up and I didn't give him warning beforehand. Mm. Like you can lose all sense. Um, It was fucking crazy. Okay. Wow. This was so rapid fire. (laughs) 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 The first one was, the first one was. I think that's that's a wrap on the what to do's today. I 
I love what to do's. I appreciate that everyone in our little community here trusts us to send us like sometimes really vulnerable situations that they're in and um, to have a stab at it. But, you know, we're, we're your friends. We're not your therapists. Take it with a grain of salt. And hopefully I listen, I'm just a doctor. I'm a doctor. Oh, oh, I've been speaking about you the wrong way. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm a doctor. I'm so sorry. I have a complaint and listen, we're not Fuck yeah. we're not used to the yeah. lover coming in hot with a petty complaint. Please. Why why do people call me and have the wrong number? Why does the wrong number thing still happen in this day and age? I'm confused. I would like to announce very confidently that I have never been on the dialing end of this. I have never dialed someone <laughs> And had the wrong number. And then had the audacity to dial a second time. Like yesterday, I got a call from a number that I didn't know. And it didn't even say spam. And it didn't say might be Walgreens Pharmacy. It didn't say anything. I didn't answer. I was driving. I was in the middle of something. They called again. So I answered, exasperated, knowing what was about to come for them. And... (laughs) The person said, Anne, no, knowing, knowing how I'm about to eviscerate right. them, I felt they bad for them. They didn't even say hello. I said hello. They said, Anne. I said, you have the wrong number. And she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like immediately embarrassed that she called twice, you know? Yeah. Be embarrassed. What are you doing? Why do you have the wrong number? I've never dialed the wrong number. Why are these people constantly dialing wrong numbers? Wait, do you have, do you have a voice? Do you have like a custom voice? I do. Um, that's the other thing. That says, hi, this is not Anne. That is, <laughs> that's the other thing. Like, it does send you to my voice with my name. I don't understand. It just made me really pause and take a look at the world around me and say, I hate it here. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it here. I hate it. <laughs> does this happen? It happens to me all the time. I'm always the wrong number. That's funny. Maybe your your number, your digits are very similar to it. That doesn't make any fucking sense. I don't know. I'm trying to, I don't think I get. To a really important person, to Anne. Yeah, I don't think I got, or your your number is just similar to a lot of confused people's friends' <laughs> numbers. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't feel like I experienced this that much, but I am furious on your behalf. I also, oh, this reminds me of another story from like a year ago. I had this number that kept calling me and- They would like call and I wouldn't answer for the same reason. I knew it was a wrong number, whatever. And then they sent a text and it was this woman who maybe found my number in her partner's phone or something, which like I don't, it must have been that person's wrong number. I don't know. Anyway, she had a theory that I was like sleeping with her partner. And so that's awesome. Oh my God. That's the dream. I wish I had a screenshot. It was insane. She kept calling that that's the wrong number. Yes. And texted me and was like, hi, Jane or whoever the fuck. Like, I know that this is you and what you've been doing with Tommy. Like, you don't know anything. You don't know anything. anything. I don't know anything. And it wasn't even a zip code or an area code. That's like a place that I've lived before. Like, it was wild. I blocked the number because I was actually genuinely scared at some point because she was like, she was really going at it with the mean text. I was like, I'm just me. I'm just Jess. Wow. Oh, I would for sure respond to that, which is probably stupid, but that is so fun. I never, I very rarely take the bait on these things because I just know that it'll like rev up my anxiety even more as opposed to just like closing the door immediately. Um, yeah. I mean, it makes me wonder why I was in this person's phone to begin with, but I don't know. It could have been. That's interesting. Could it have been a scam? Could that be a way of like getting people to call you back or something? Maybe. I don't even understand. First of all, I don't fucking understand how phone scams work. Like, I guess there's still people that works on it. <laughs> there's a lot of people it works on, but like it's, wait, maybe it's been working on me actually. I've been texting that kind of thing back. <laughs> You've been I texting know. I have a lot to think spammers about. back. <laughs> That's it. That's all. And. And. And if you're out there, call this woman back. I didn't get her name. Um, I won't. I shan't be. I think we did it, you guys. If you made it through this episode, you congratulations. You are grown. You are learned. <laughs> you are not allowed to hold me legally responsible for anything I said. And you are still required to seek professional help. Consult your counselor. Please. Please. God. 
Uh, this has been Not For Everyone. You can find us on Instagram at not the number four everyone pod. Is that our Instagram, actually? I don't know if I said it right. It is. You nailed it. Not the number four everyone pod. I want to give a big shout out to Prince Abby, who edits our podcast episodes. Share this episode if you enjoyed. If we did your what to do, congratulations. Send it to the person that's been treating you like your therapist, and maybe it'll help. Wow, good point. Leave us reviews. Just do the things. Help support us. We're we're on episode eleven. We've done ten, and now we're we're on the next ten, and that's pretty freaking exciting. So thanks for being here. Thanks for supporting, and talk to us on IG in the meantime. TTYL. Bye, babies. <laughs>